welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Othman, a biblical church centered on Christ. Your Bibles to the book of Song of Songs. Where is Song of Songs? It's after Ecclesiastes and it's before Isaiah. So it's about in the middle of your Bible or so. This is a, sto- this is a book written by Solomon. Solomon is the tale of two lives, in many ways, for this gentleman. He um, had 700 wives, and most likely, this had to be with his first wife before he started marrying for political reasons, like the, uh, the, the Pharaoh's daughter, for, to make uh, connections around the world with that. Because this is a love story. Song of Songs is one. And not only that, it's one that you read and you think, well, why did God put this in the Bible? What, what is this for? Well, there are several reasons why. I believe God put this in the Bible because this honors the, the Lord's plan for sexuality. We are in Pride Month here in the United States. And I'm sure you've noticed this. Uh, everywhere, literally everywhere you go, you see uh, rainbow flags all over the place. Now, I follow professional sports. It is disappointing not just one or two, every single team is promoting this. They wear it on their uniforms, patches. I mean, uh, if you're a professional athlete, you are this month at some point, you're going to have to make the decision, am I going to wear a pride flag when I go play baseball or, or soccer? And that's just how it is. And uh, Christian athletes are forced with this, uh, forced with this decision. Well, this is the love story between a man and a woman. Right there, that honors the Lord. And God's plan for sexuality is one man and one woman. We get that out of the covenant of marriage in Genesis chapter 2, 22 and 24. So this is, this is before Solomon was a polygamist, before he started having multiple wives. So I believe this is probably written in Solomon's younger age when he was married to one lady. What's interesting um, also about this book, it's a series of exchanges. So it actually reads, and depending on which Bible you use, it will tell you who's speaking. And the, the main speakers are the man, he's also known as a shepherd, that is Solomon. And then there's a woman, and she is a, a Shulamite, which would be a person from a town in Shunem, which is in the Galilee region. So we don't know anything about her, but we know she's a lady who is in love with Solomon and Solomon is in love with her. And their names are man and woman. (laughs) And they also go by, uh, he is called beloved. So when you see the word beloved, that's Solomon. That's the man. The shepherdess, that is the woman. So these are interchangeable names that are used. Now there's three other people who are mentioned in this uh, book here. There's a narrator at this point, at one point in the book. There's also young women that would be, some of your Bibles might call them daughters of Jerusalem. So they bring in some young women. And then there's brothers. These would be the brothers of the young woman, uh, or, the, this, or the, the woman here in the story. Now we're not going to read all eight chapters of Song of Songs. Um, this would be, I mean, this is, if you are reading along with us in our uh, Bible plan that we're reading through as a church, a year through the Bible, this is today's reading. So this is an opportunity for you to see, I just read, you know, you're thinking, I just read this. So you can read all eight chapters today, the Song of Songs, with that. 
So I, w- I want to read some of this, and what we're going to do is we're going to read chapter 1, and then there's actually one mention of God in chapter 8. God, the Lord is only mentioned one time in this entire book, in uh, chapter 8, verse 6. But then I actually want to uh, talk about Solomon's fall, and that we'll flip over at the end. We're going to flip over in Bibles, the book of 1 Kings, 1 Kings chapter, chapter 11. We see how fo- Solomon, how his life was destroyed because he didn't actually follow the plan here in Song of Songs. Now, when we read this, um, this, a lot of times, this isn't really how we speak. It's very poetic, and it's one that uh, the, they talk in a very uh, romantic way towards each other. And I think what we have to remember, love was created by the Lord for you to have your spouse whom you love throughout your life in a romantic way. And unfortunately, sin and just the corruption of our culture has destroyed that. So you don't, we a lot of times don't see people who talk this way or speak about their spouse this way or their husband or their wife. I mean, we all know if you turn on the television, it is very common and almost standard for people to just run down their spouse and speak negative about the person whom the two have become one flesh. Why would you speak so negatively about the person whom you believe the Lord brought into your life to marry? And then you trash them. And this book reminds us that we should not speak that way. Verse 1. The Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And this is the woman speaking. Oh, that he would kiss me with the kisses of his mouth. For your caresses are more delightful than wine. The fragrance of your perfume is intoxicating. Your name is perfume poured out. No wonder young women adore you. Take me with you. Let's hurry. Oh, that the king would bring me to his chambers. And then these, the next statement is the young women. These would be like the daughters of Jerusalem. They make a, they make a statement here. We will rejoice and be glad in you. We will celebrate your caresses more than wine. And the woman responds, to the young women and says, it is only right that they adore you. Daughters of Jerusalem, I am dark like the tents of Kedar, yet lovely like the curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, for the sun has gazed on me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me take care of the vineyards. I have not taken care of my own vineyard. Tell me, you whom I love, where do you pasture your sheep? Where do you let them rest at noon? Why should I be like one who veils herself beside the flocks of your companions? So she's uh, speaking to, to her, the beloved, the man here, uh, just getting to know him. Now, what's interesting about this book, I'm, I'm going I'm to pause and talk about this as we go along here so you kind of understand what is, what, is go- what is this going on here in this book. The man, when he speaks throughout the book, he only talks about the woman. Like he speaks directly about her and to her. And this teaches us about relationships between men and women here. And the woman, when she speaks about him, she, she speaks about him, but she also speaks to the daughters of Jerusalem, the other young women. And he, she speaks uh, about his qualities and about his attributes and what he means to her. So follow me on this. 
the man speaking directly at her and basically say, you are absolutely gorgeous. Now, if you read this whole book, it's very graphic. It would be like PG-13 if it, uh, it would be uh, a PG-13 Bible book, I guess you could say, because it, um, and, you know, it's um, one that probably a lot of youth groups and children's classes you don't hear about. They don't really teach on this book a lot. Because it is very graphic what he's going to start saying about her. Because he's speaking about her physical body. But when she speaks about him, she doesn't just talk about a naked man. She's talking about, this is a really wonderful guy. This is someone who, who is kind. This is someone who has great qualities. And it's almost like she involves the community in affirming her, and this is the right man. Follow me what I'm saying. This is really, Bible's actually teaching us how people meet. Man looks at a woman and goes, that girl is drop-dead gorgeous. I don't have sexual relations with her. I mean, he, it's all he's thinking about. Woman looks at a man and thinks, yeah, he has really good qualities. He's a great guy. My friend spoke high about him. Mama said he was a good man. I mean, he's handsome, but he has a lot of good character qualities. Do you all see the difference there? She involves her community, the woman in this story, whereas he is dead fixed on her. Apparently this woman is a very attractive lady. Keep going here in your Bibles. Man, now we're in verse 8. We're in Song of Songs 1.8. If you do not know, most beautiful of women, follow the tracks of your flock and your pasture, your young goats, near the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are beautiful with jewelry, your neck with its necklace. We will make gold jewelry for you, ascended with silver. And then the woman says, While the king is on his couch, my perfume releases its fragrance. The one I love is a satyr of myrrh to me, spending the night between my breasts. The one I love is a cluster of henna blossoms to me in the vineyards of en, en Gidi. That's an area right outside the Dead Sea in caves. Man, the man speaks. How beautiful you are, my darling. How very beautiful. Your eyes are doves. The woman says, verse 16, How handsome you are, my love. How delightful. Our bed is verdant. The beams of our house are cedars, and the raptors are cypresses. I am the a wildflower of Sharon, a lily in the valley. And the man says, 2 2, chapter 2, verse 2, like a lily among thorns, so my darling among the young women. Now, I want to skip down here. I want you to pick up here in, in verse, chapter 4, verse 1. Or actually, chapter 3, verse 6. This is the narrator speaking. So we get, they're having this conversation, speaking about each other. You look at chapter 3, verse 6. Now a narrator comes in the story. When we know the narrator is Solomon. So it's like he's stepping back and he's giving us some background information. Who is this coming up from the wilderness? Like columns of smoke, scented with myrrh and frankincense from every fragrant powder of the merchant. Look, Solomon's bed, surrounded by 60 warriors from the mighty men of Israel. All of them are skilled with swords and trained in warfare. Each has a sword at his side to guard against the terror of the night. King Solomon made a carriage for himself with wood from Lebanon. 
And, you know, wood from Lebanon, the cedars of Lebanon is also what the Lord used to build the temple. So they're saying his, his cedars of Lebanon were the best trees in that entire region. This would be north of Israel. So they're saying Solomon used this type of wood for his home, his palace. He made its post of silver, its back of gold, and its seat of purple. Its inferior is inlaid with love by the young women of Jerusalem. Go out, young women of Zion, and Zion is Jerusalem, and gaze at King Solomon wearing the crown his mother placed on him. On the day of his wedding, the day of his heart's rejoicing. So we see the narrator is talking about how great Solomon is. Now, remember, who is the narrator? The narrator is Solomon. So he's writing about how great he is, King Solomon. And skip it here. Keep going in your, in your book. And if you move along here, pick up in ver- chapter 5. Chapter 5, verse 1. And we bring back in the mar- narrator here uh, briefly. The man, verse 1. I have come to my garden, my sister, my bride, I gather my myrrh with my spices. I eat my honeycomb with my honey. I drink my wine with my milk. And the, narr- the narrator says, Eat, friends, drink, be intoxicated with caresses. And the woman, she speaks, I was sleeping, but my heart was awake. A sound, my love was knocking. <clears throat> and then the man says, Open to me, my sister, my darling, my dove, my perfect one. For my head is drenched with dew, my hair with droplets of the night. And this is going into uh, sexual love, what they're about to get into right here. They're talking about this. We will move on uh, looking at this. I do want to pick up here uh, in chapter 6, verse 13, because now we're bringing in the young women here. They, they show up in chapter 5. They're also mentioned in chapter 6. 6.13, the young women says, Come back, come back, Shulamite. That, that Shulamite, that's the name of the woman. She was from that community, a little town of Shuman. So they're, they're calling her back. The, 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 the other women of daughters of Jerusalem are very aware and affirming of the love that Solomon has for this woman. The man and the woman are in love, and the young women affirm that. It's like these are the bridesmaids. It's like they went on a date or they got married and they've got a bunch of sisters over here and they need to come tell everything about their new husband or everything about the person they're dating. I mean, that, 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 that is what they're doing here. Come back, come back, that we may look at you. The man says, how you gaze at the Shulamite. I'm in six, 613. As you look at the dance of the two camps, he goes on to say, how beautiful are your sandaled feet. Princesses, the curves of your thighs are like jewelry, the handiwork of a master. Your navel is a rounded bowl. It never lacks mixed wine. Your belly is a mound of wheat surrounded by lilies. Your breasts are like two fawns, twins of a gazelle. Your neck is like a tower of ivy. Your eyes are like pools in Heshbon by Rebim's gate. Your nose is like the tower of Lebanon looking towards Damascus. Now, obviously, we, would not talk, we don't talk to people that way. Uh, but that what he's doing is he's naming their local communities and saying all the parts of your body are absolutely perfect. You're a gorgeous girl. And again, we're seeing that God has created men to have an absolute gaze and fixation on women. And I want you to skip down here 
to verse, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. I want to read these last few verses here. We're going to read through chapter, verse 9. 8, eight one. So this is the last chapter. Now this is the woman speaking. I've treasured them up for you, my love. If only I could treat you like my brother, one who nursed at my mother's breast. I would find you in public and kiss you, and no one would scorn me. I would lead you. I would take you to the house of my mother who taught me. I would give you spiced wine to drink from the juice of my pomegranate. May his left hand be under my head and his right arm embrace me. Young women of Jerusalem, I charge you, do not stir up or awaken love until the appropriate time. What they're talking about is losing your virginity at that point. That's what the, that's saying, you don't need to be a child and go out and lose your virginity because you're going to set a trajectory of possibly sexually in immorality. So this woman is actually teaching. The woman's actually teaching the other younger women, says, listen, you don't need to be sexually immoral. You don't need to be going around sleeping around. You wait to the appropriate time. You wait till you're married. And then it goes on, the, the young women say, who is this coming up from the wilderness? leaning on the one she loves. Woman, I awakened you under the apricot tree. That I awakened you, that meant she probably lost her virginity there. There your mother conceived you. There she conceived and gave you birth. Set me as a seal on your heart. Now this is the verse here, chapter 6. Or verse 6 is where we see the Lord's name is mentioned one time. Set me as a seal on your heart, as a seal on your arm. For love is as strong as death. Jealousy is as unrelenting as Sheol. Love's flames are fury flames, an almighty flame. Now, stop right there. You say, Pastor, where's the word God? Where's the word Lord? Now, if you look here in, on your Bible, there is a footnote in Numbers, or chapter, or chapter 8, verse 6. And if you have the Christian Standard Bible, that footnote says the letter G. And you look down. That last phrase where it says, an almighty flame. If you see there's an alternate reading at the bottom, it says, or the blaze of the Lord. And what he's saying here is she has the same type of jealousy for her husband as the Lord does for us. The blaze of the Lord. This jealousy is that's unrelenting. Love's flames are fiery flames meaning they, it, it, it's powerful. And the Lord is saying he has those same type of flames for his people. He loves his people. He desires for people to get saved. So that is our one connection to God in this Bible, in this uh, uh, the one mention of God in this. A huge torrent cannot extinguish love. Rivers cannot sweep it away. If a man were to give all his wealth for love, it would be utterly scorned. Now, here's the last. Here, these are brothers. These are the, uh, these are the woman's brothers. Because remember, the, the woman here bring, has these daughters of Jerusalem. These are like her friends. That she's getting affirmation and she's teaching them about sexuality. And then they also are affirming her because they want a husband and they want a man like Solomon. And then her brothers are going to come in and, and speak about uh, their sister. Our sister is young. She has no breasts. What will we do for our sister on the day she is spoken for? If she is a wall, we will build a silver barricade 
on her. If she is the door, we will enclose her with cedar planks. And that, that phrase, she is a wall, uh, and they use that as um, when she is someone who's a plank, they're talking about she's very young. This is a teenager. She's not fully developed yet. So we see this is very, very probably very young people. This is a young lady who's gotten married and is, uh, you know, having sexual relations with Solomon. That is Song of Songs right there. And you, so you see how it goes. And it ends, the last verse says, the woman ends it by saying, Run away with me, my love, and be like a gazelle or a young stag on the mountains of spices. We read this and we think, goodness, well, that's an interesting book of the Bible. Probably don't want to hear a lot of sermons over and over and over again because you just walk away and you're thinking, what do I do with this? And I think the principle for us is really we have to understand this in the context of Solomon. Because Solomon had to be a young man when this happened. Because Solomon was a man known for, uh, sadly, marrying the most women possibly ever. He was the richest man ever, and the man had 700 wives. After this, he had to go marry 699 more wives. Because he's speaking to her as if she is the only one. She is his alone. So his heart went astray. And that's where I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of 1 Kings. 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. In Song of Songs, we take these verses and we apply this for our lives because we love stories. You know, like I mentioned it this morning in our first service. David and Glenda Huff, they were married for 50 years. They had their anniversary party up here yesterday. That is wonderful to have a 50-year anniversary, a golden anniversary. How powerful of a story does that tell to future generations? There are going to be fewer and fewer of those type of stories that we hear about. For First of all, to be able to live that long. Second of all, to be able to be married that long in our culture that we live in. That's a testimony to the power of marriage. One of the neat things that David, uh, in, if you were listening to them speak yesterday, if you happened to be there, um, David told me, that he married, or maybe it was Glenda, five, five, or maybe Glenda was telling me that she had married five different men, and he had married five different women. So what they were talking about is the person you marry when they're 20 is not the person you end up with or 70. People change. They do. So you, as you go through life, as you mature and grow older, the person you acted like when you're 23 hopefully is not the person you're going to be when you're 43 and when you're 63. And if you don't change, you probably won't be married 50 years. You have to adapt. You have to realize, okay, we're in a different season in life. This isn't working today. This approach isn't going to be best. And you go in your marriage, and this isn't just for marriage, this is with anyone, and you are constantly changing. I once heard a pastor who retired after being a minister at a church for 40-plus years. It was in Alabama. And he shared that what was unique about him was the pastor they got, because he was probably in his 30s when they got him, by the time he retired when he was in his 70s, was a totally different man. Because he said, I basically changed with the church. The church did different ministries, different people came, there were different staff members, there were different music leaders over the years, there were just all, every, and if you can't make that change, you will struggle. 
And I actually think that's something that happened with Solomon. Solomon has set a foundation as a young man after loving and wanting this one woman here. And all of a sudden, we're about to see his heart go astray. So this is going to be our last reading tonight. This is Solomon's story. This is Solomon's fall. I believe we read this on Wednesday night a few weeks ago. But it's something you need to know because this is actually where everything changes. 1 Kings 11, verse 1. King Solomon loved many foreign women. This is after the Queen of Sheba. After the Queen of Sheba, everything changes. King Solomon loved many foreign women in addition to Pharaoh's daughter, Mobite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidian, and Hittite women from the nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them and they must not intermarry you because they will turn your heart away to follow their gods. To these women, Solomon was deeply attached in love. Right there. You see, his heart was turned away. He married women who did not love the Lord. The Bible instructed Israelite men they were not to go out and marry non-Israelite women. Just like for us, if you're looking to get married, you should not marry non-Christians. You shouldn't even do evangelism dating. What it say, Pastor, what's evangelism dating? Evangelism dating is when you meet a guy and he's not a believer, but you're going to date him anyway with the purpose of leading him to the Lord and maybe get married and hope, hoping he gets saved and then hope. Like that's, 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 you should not be doing that. You don't even, you don't even, you shouldn't even go on a date with someone you know is not a believer. Because, I mean, what is the purpose of dating? It's ultimately, the long-term goal should be marriage. And if they're not even saved, if they don't have Jesus Christ as their Savior, that should be the first and primary, most important thing. And I want to tell you, so, there are folks in our church and, Maybe you have kids and grandkids. You have to teach them this. Paul wrote about this in 1 Corinthians. The most important thing is their relationship. That actually comes out of the Old Testament as well. Solomon began to marry women who were not Israelite. He went outside of God's people. And these people worshiped foreign gods. This is what brought his fall. Look here at verse 3. He had 700 wives who were princesses and 300 who were concubines, and they turned his heart away. When Solomon was old, his wives turned his heart away to follow other gods. He was not wholeheartedly devoted to the Lord his God as his father David had been. Solomon followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, Milcom, and the abhorrent idol of the Ammonites. Solomon did what was evil in the Lord's sight, and unlike his father David, he did not remain loyal to the Lord. And that loyal to the Lord, that is the contrast between David and Solomon. That means David, every time he sinned and he did something wrong, remember, he was always confronted by Samuel. He was confronted by Nathan. He was confronted by Gad. And he repented and turned to the Lord and confessed that sin every single time. Solomon did not do that. He did, he was, his heart was turned away from God. And there's a contrast between those two. One of David's greatest falls, if you can fault David for anything, he was a wonderful military leader, and he had a heart after the Lord, because every time he was confronted with his sin, he always repented. But do you know what David did not do? Listen, he did not teach his children about the Lord. If you look at David's boys and his children, 
They were wild. They were disobedient, and they did not have that same love for the Lord. The greatest thing we do, do you have, do you have children or grandchildren that just, they are not where you want them to be spiritually. They are a generation or two behind you, and you're thinking, why don't they have that same drive? Why don't they have that same desire that I had when I was their age? And that should be heavy on your heart. You should be every day praying for your children and your grandchildren to have that same loyalty to the Lord that David had. Because David did not invest in his children coming up. He was very committed to Israel. He was very committed to the Lord. But he did not, he did not teach Solomon about this. Solomon was a wicked man. At that time, Solomon built high places for Chemosh, the abhorrent god of Moab, and for Milcon, the abhorrent idol of the Ammonites, on the hill across from Jerusalem. So now he's breaking the first and the second commandments. He's worshiping idols, false gods he's worshiping, king of Israel. He did the same for all his foreign wives who were burning incense and offering sacrifices to their gods, meaning he was allowing idol worship inside of his home immorality inside of his home you know if you own a home and you have children or grandchildren that they are at your house and you own the house and they are bringing immorality and sin inside your home you as a homeowner have a right to say we don't want these idols and this garbage in our house this is not for our home as for me and my house we will serve the lord now i can't control what goes on in other people's homes but you can control your own house. You should be able to control your own house. And, and Solomon could not do this. His foreign wives were just bringing the idols in. You walk into his house, and it was just it was a mixture of all different gods, of false gods, of types of worship. The Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord. The Bible says, I already said this three times now, that is all God cared about. His heart turned away. He turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. He came to him twice. He came to him in a dream, and he said, Solomon, what do you want? And then he also came again and, and spoke to him and said, Solomon, again, second time, anything you want, I'll bless you. He was confirming to Solomon of who he is. He says, I'm going to if you follow him every time I'm talking to Solomon, he says if you follow my ways if you obey my teachings you or your kingdom will be the greatest of all and Solomon started out good in the book of song song of songs it's right there that's probably with his first wife he started out with a good marriage but he went off with some other women many other women and it says here he had commanded him about this so that he would not follow other gods. But Solomon did not do what the Lord had commanded. He did not listen to God. So the Song of Songs, we look at this, and we tie it in with the context of King Solomon. And it's one that he knew what biblical marriage, he knew what biblical love was supposed to be. He knew God's commands, but he did not even follow it. So even someone who talks about... Uh, uh, what the right thing to do and right choices to make, that doesn't even mean, just because you know something doesn't mean you actually do it. Solomon knew what to do. He knew he should not be marrying Pharaoh's daughter and all these foreign women. But he did not listen to the Lord. And I think for us, and I think this also applies to Song of Songs, 
maybe early in someone's marriage, you start out really strong. You have that deep, passionate love in the early years. But then whatever happens, just you get in routines, you just go through life, you have children, you get busy, you have other priorities, you have jobs. Your love for your spouse, all of a sudden, that passion wasn't like it was on your first week or your, when you were dating or your first year. You've lost that. And so much of your marriage should always be God. Help me, real, help me have the same type of desire that I have for you, for my wife. You want to, you honor your wife by actually following what God wants to do. When Solomon began to dishonor the Lord and didn't obey the Lord, he actually dishonored his wife, this Shunammite here, this lady in the story, by bringing in all these other women. I bet she never would have dreamed when she's writing this story in Song of Songs that just a few years down the road, there'd be 700 other women with her. She was talking about how great this guy is, but what was, should have been the most thing has, should be his greatest quality is my husband, my wife, honors the Lord. You want to look for a spouse, you want a spouse who lives according to what God's Word says. That is the best way to honor your spouse. And that's also because we're honoring our Lord. That is a biblical marriage. So Solomon, in his context, this is a guy who starts out so good, yet sadly, he falls and he drifts away from the Lord. And I think the uh, principle for us about this is we read this book, Song of Songs, and it teaches us that God's plan is one man and one woman, and God's plan is for romantic love for a spouse. That is the context of raising a family. That's the context of a, of, of a home. And you should not be, all of you, you know, if you've been reading our Bible, or Bible through a year, you've been reading Proverbs. And so much of Proverbs talks about why would you, how awful would it be to live with a nagging wife or a nagging husband that complains all the time, better live on the roof of your house. It's just no one wants to live in a home of constant torment. And this started out that way. It was a godly home, but sadly, Solomon drifted away. One of the things we guard in our life, we have to make sure, if you're married, if you're here tonight and you're married, you want to make sure, it says, God, in every area of my marriage, am I honoring the Lord? The best way you honor your spouse is by doing what God wants you to do. Because then they are honored by that. When we are disobedient to the Lord, our spouse is also hurt from that. David, from this morning, he disobeyed the Lord by taking a census. 70,000 people died. David goes out and commits adultery with Bathsheba. Bathsheba's husband dies along with some other soldiers and the baby too. Do you see the consequences, how families are hurt when, when people and husbands and wives, family members, make sinful decisions? And that's what happened here with Solomon. Started out good. Book of Song of Songs is one. It's great to read. Uh, you have it read at your wedding. You just want to study about what is biblical love. But then the context of Solomon is actually one of sadness. This had to be when he was a young man. God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the book of Song of Songs. Solomon teaches us what romantic, passionate love is. And Lord, we just pray we have that same desire for you. It will overflow. Our passion for you will overflow into our, our families and our spouses and our wives and our, 
our husbands we're married to. Lord, we thank you that you have given marriage, and marriage is good, family is good, grandparents is good. This is the context of how we're to raise the next generation. And Lord, if we aren't faithful to you in this area, God, it's one that we will, um, we will be devastated by, just like Solomon was. It cost him a lot. Lord, it cost him his kingdom. It tore from him. Lord, I just thank you that you have made it very clear to us that we are to be biblical Christians. Lord, we are to live for you. Jesus, I just pray if there's anybody here who needs to make a decision and join this church, tonight will be their night to become a member of such a wonderful church as Broadway. Lord, we give you this invitation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to close our service here with an invitation. If you want to make a decision, become a church member here at Broadway. I'll be standing down front. You come take my hand. Say, Pastor, I'm ready to follow Jesus. Make this my church home. So let's stand together. I'll be standing down front, and you respond to the Lord.